I love that you're here at Christmas. Christmas is so much fun. You know, we've got all of the, the presents we're waiting for, and we've got, uh, you know, snow. No, it doesn't really snow anywhere, but with a little foam around here. But, you know, we, we've got all kinds of things going on. I know, kids, you've been waiting for Christmas for a long Some of you wrote letters to Santa. I picked up a few of those this week from all over the place. Let me just read a few to you because I think our kids, when they write to Santa, sometimes we kind of see ourselves a little bit adults. Here's one from Sophia. Dear Santa, when it was Saturday, I thought I would try to be good the whole Christmas vacation, but it seems I did not succeed. <laughs> Will you give me a present anyway, Sophia L. Dear Santa, I want a real puppy this year, not like the fake one I got last year. Don't forget, even if mommy and Eric say no, I love you, Shana. Dear Santa, you better bring my pony this year or there will be consequences. <laughs> that sounds a little more like some of you that I know, right? Dear Santa, if you cannot buy what I want, take it easy on yourself. Just give me tens and ones. <laughs> Dear Santa, please give me a tank, a jet fighter, 20 green soldiers, and a bazooka gun. I'm planning a surprise attack on my brother, so don't tell anyone. Thanks, Danny. Dear Santa, my father told me to write to you and say thanks for the train set. My dad plays with it all the time. <laughs> my. Dear Santa, I, all I want is a few things, but they might not be a few things to you. Is 39 things too much? Come to my house and you will find my Christmas list. Love, Jack, Jacqueline. P.S. Let it snow, let it snow. Let it snow. Okay, we're going to try to take care of that today at Community of Faith. This is a crazy season, isn't it? All the things that we pack into this time of year, the trees, the lights, the shopping, the parties, trying to find that one perfect gift. And there's so much effort and work and planning and dreaming and remembering and reminiscing and leading up to that one magical day, Christmas Day, right? There's a lot that goes into it. It kind of makes me think of planning a wedding. You spend months and months planning a wedding, right? Dreaming and buying the perfect dress and getting everything organized and scheduled, invitations sent out, all preparing for that one magical day, that 30-minute ceremony and dinner and dancing, and then it's all over. Or maybe like having a baby, you spend months getting ready. I mean, you're preparing, you're reading every book about labor and delivery, how to be a good parent. You shop online, you have showers and parties, buying cribs and car seats and all of those things we do to prepare for that delivery day, that due date when that bundle of joy enters into our life. But those really aren't one-day events, are they? I mean, a wedding is magical, the birth of a baby is a miracle, but really when you get married, it impacts every day of the rest of your life, right? When you have a child and become a parent, it changes everything. It's not just a one-day event. And we all know that about weddings and babies, but you, have you ever thought about that with regard to Christmas? Because Christmas was never intended to be just a one-day event. A great day that you anticipate and plan for and look forward to, and then the day is over and Christmas is done. That was never what God had in mind. The birth of the Savior was intended to change everything for you, to change every day of the rest of your life. That very first Christmas was a life-altering event. It changed the course of human history. 
And God wants Christmas 2018 to be just as life-altering for you and for me. He doesn't want it to be a one-day event that we celebrate, but something that we look to every day to a Savior that changes every day of the rest of our life, that it's not just one month a year that's impacted, but it's the rest of the 11 months of the year as well. That's God's desire for us. When Jesus broke through time and eternity, it wasn't just to give us something to celebrate at Christmas, but something to celebrate every day for the rest of our life. Today, Mark and I want to look at some specific things that we can pray to help bring Christmas to life, not just this Christmas, but the rest of the new year as well. We want to make it our Christmas prayer. So we're going to pray together today in this service. We're just going to ask God for some very simple things for the rest of the year. Today, tomorrow, Christmas, the rest of the year, all right? So the first thing would be, God, help me to see with your eyes. Honestly, this is the whole reason Jesus came. This is the whole reason there is a Christmas, because he knew the condition of humanity. He knew the condition of our hearts. He knew that we were lost without a Savior. You know, every other religion is man's attempt to be good enough for God, to reach God somehow by good works and things that we do. But what Christmas is, what Christianity is, it's God saying, I see you. I know you could never get here. You could never get to me. I reached down to you. And he broke through time and space as that little baby in a manger. When Jesus was here on earth, he saw the, the condition of humanity. One time he was looking over a large crowd, kind of like this one this morning, and he said this. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He saw us. He saw where we were. He saw what's going on in our life. And in the eyes of God, in the eyes of Jesus, he knows that we're broken. He knows right where we are this morning. You know, I think if we could see people like he did, like a hurting child, what a difference it would make. Would it, would it make a difference if you, if you saw that person that had just cut you off at the outlet mall and took the last parking space, you know, as a hurting child, as a hurting person? You're thinking, well, they're going to be hurting when they get out of their car, right? <laughs> Back over them or whatever. Feel like that sometimes. What about your mother-in-law that's there with you for, it seems like, eight weeks or something at Christmas? If you saw her that way, you know, it, it, it makes a difference. And what about your own hurts? Did you know that God never wastes a sorrow? In fact, he intended for us to walk through life together. Empathy is feeling together. Sympathy is feeling sad for somebody. But the Bible says this, all praise to God the Father, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Master the, Jesus, the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who's going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. When you've been through a certain experience in your life, God doesn't want to waste it. He'll bring others into your life that you can empathize with, that you can share with. He intended for us to go through life together. A lot of you went to the memory candles. This season can be full of heartache. Maybe it's the first year after 
the divorce or, or you did lose someone this year or just maybe a relationship is struggling or maybe you're not together. You know, God sees us, God loves us and he never meant for us to walk through life alone. That's why he gave us a family, a church. Here's the thing. We can all understand the lostness of humanity because we've all been there. Now, when you look at others, know that in every seat in this place, there's a story. There's a hurt. There's a heartache. God wants us to see each other and walk with each other and be there for each other. That might be the, the greatest gift you can give someone this Christmas. So would you just close your eyes for just a second? And let's pray this simple prayer. Just pray it silently. I'll pray it out loud. Lord, help me to see others with your eyes this next year. Amen. Look back up. The second thing we're praying this Christmas is that God would help me to speak with his words. That I would speak his words. That first Christmas, through the angels appeared in the sky, there was a message from God. I want you to listen closely to the words they spoke. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. God spoke through the angels that day, and he spoke words of reassurance. He spoke words of peace, not fear. He spoke the good news of a Savior. He spoke words of hope. How would Christmas be different if I spoke those kind of words? If I spoke words of hope and peace and reassurance, if I spoke of the Savior this Christmas, what would be different in my life? What would be different in my family? Proverbs 18.21 tells us this, what you say can preserve life or destroy it, <clears throat> so you must accept the consequences of your words. We have the power of life and death in our words. That's what the Bible tells us. Let's speak words of life this Christmas. Let's speak words of life this new year. We all know people who speak death, right? It's always criticism and complaining and comparing. And we've all experienced the heartache of that. The Bible says when you speak death, you're going to suffer the consequences of that. But when you speak life, you'll experience the rewards of that. It's so important when we speak God's words, our attitude changes, our message changes, our tone of voice changes, everything about us changes. Let's make that our prayer for the new year and for this Christmas because I think it will change everything for us. So again, we want to go ahead and pray that this morning, just like we did earlier. So if you'll close your eyes just for a minute, pray with me. God, we do pray that you would help us to speak your words this Christmas, that we would be givers of life by the words that we use, that even into the new year that people would experience hope and love, they would hear of the Savior from us. And God, we pray that you would do it in our lives, that you would make this change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. The third thing, the third prayer that we have this Christmas is God, help me to love with your heart. That's what Christmas is all about, right? It's love. It's a season of love. Because of God's great love for us, 
He sent a savior. He sent Jesus here. He broke through time and eternity and came down in the form of a baby because he loved us. His love became reality that first Christmas. John 3.16 says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's what it means to love, to give sacrificially. God's calling us to love that way. He wants me to give sacrificially in my marriage, to give sacrificially on the job, to give sacrificially as a parent, to give sacrificially as a child, to give sacrificially even with that person that aggravates me. God says, I want you to love them like I do. See them as that hurt and broken person. Speak words of life to them. Love them unconditionally. God's love is sacrificial. It cost him everything. And it's going to cost us as well if we're going to have his heart and allow Christmas to transform our life for the rest of our life. We have to learn to give sacrificially just like he did. To give till it hurts and then give a little more. That's what it means to love. It requires sacrifice on my part. Romans 5.8 says this, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Sacrificial love means that I love unconditionally. God didn't wait for me to change before he sent Jesus here to be my savior. He wasn't looking at me to become something better before he sent his Holy Spirit to come and live in me and empower me to become all he created me to be. God's love is unconditional. And I think sometimes we forget and we start loving conditionally, don't we? I'll love you if you behave the way I think you should. I'll love you if you meet my needs. I'll love you if you do what I want you to. But that's not God's love. And he says, I don't want you to love that way. I want you to love unconditionally, sacrificially. Each time I choose to love sacrificially, unconditionally, Christmas comes alive in me. And it will impact the rest of your life, every day of the rest of your life, every time you choose to love sacrificially and unconditionally. It changes everything. So let's pray and let's ask him to empower us to do it. Lord, again, we come to you with our Christmas prayer and we ask that you would help us to love like you do, that we would become sacrificial, unconditional lovers of the people in our life. And God, we thank you that as we do, that you'll empower us more and you'll change every day of the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There's one last challenge this Christmas, this prayer. Lord, help me to serve with your attitude. Help me to serve with your attitude. I don't know about you, but don't you, I kind of hate it when people start talking about attitude a little bit, you know? I, it just reminds me of my parents, I don't get your attitude straight, son, you know? But there's this attitude, this, this thing that Jesus just exemplified all of his life. And, you know, an attitude is kind of a deep-seated habit sometimes. And in fact, some people kind of take pride in their attitude, kind of that chip on their shoulder kind of thing, right? But listen to what it says about Jesus and think about what this would look like if you looked like this. The Bible says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same 
attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's what Christmas is. It's honoring, again, this one Jesus. And the attitude that God wants us to have is that one that Jesus had. Look at, at some of the things that he did. It says it right here. He gave up his privileges. He wasn't always trying to get what he deserved or what was rightfully his. Other thing, he, he always took the position of a servant. He served no matter the circumstances, no matter the cost, no matter how painful or unfair. He became human. I think this speaks to him being really authentic. Jesus was very real. You could touch him. You could know that he was there. He was a presence, but he was authentically human. And we can all learn a lesson from that. He humbled himself as he obeyed God no matter what. And it led him to the cross. But in doing so, he fulfilled his purpose. So what we'll ask is, God, help me to serve with your attitude this Christmas and this next year as not demanding my own rights and privileges, but bending down and serving others. Not standing up and saying, I Stand up for my rights. You better give me my rights. Not standing in victimhood either. But saying, I want to serve you. And we practice authenticity and humbly walking in obedience to Christ. 